0: All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today we have Eric Detilio with us, Head of Information Technology at Stockmere. Is that correct? stock Stock stockmeyer, stockmeyer. stockmeyer i'm just you know if i think i'm going to say it the right way i say it the opposite i think that's like a psychological that's, 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 thing
1: yeah always go in your first intuition
0: <laughs> what do you guys do over there glue stuff um uh, some spray yeah, it things on like we
1: make urethane urethane products we make yeah. products like uh tracks and stuff uh, uh you know all sorts of stuff plastics and, and, and urethane cool materials.
0: cool healthy to inhale or no
1: uh, the, the, I, honestly, the working environment is really safe. I, I've been over there. They just tell me don't drink anything. You know, don't drink any of the products. <laughs> uh,
0: super cool, super cool. So, what's the day? What's di- what's the daily grind like over there?
1: Uh, actually, here uh, when I came on board, a lot of the big things was uh, uh, we had a lot of projects around security mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, processes. So uh, that's that's primarily what we're doing. We, we're a member of ACC. Um, the American chemical council and, and they, you know, they're kind of similar to what, um, ITIL, you know, they, they have a lot of policies and stuff. So we, we really are building around procedures and, and, but the big thing, and I'm sure you can know, and the audience would know is the security is, is so big right now. That's primarily what my team and I are are working on is keeping everything safe, you know, business, business, uh, business disaster recovery and business continuity are the big things right now.
0: Mm. Yes. Yes. For sure. Well, I I would hope disaster. Reco- I think disaster recovery has been big for like the last I don't know twenty years.
1: Yeah. But, um, yeah.
0: The um. Let me ask you this: with the the security piece going on, and I like to keep things to the theme of, I guess speaking the language of business and IT. Recently, because there's a gap between the, the 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 language of IT and the language of business and, and, and constantly bridging that gap, so to speak. And then there's different categories, I would say, and one of them being end-user communication and speaking to end-users in ways where they don't gloss over and, and wonder what the heck are we talking about. And I would imagine there's a lot of end-user communication that needs to go on when you're dealing with security.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. In fact, one of the things I like to do is, um, and I just started this actually, and, and as you know, is keeping the end user from doing something that would harm the system. I mean, because if you think about it, a large part of, of issues that happen inside your network is not malicious, but a user doing something that they shouldn't have been doing. So education is the big part of it. And speaking a language to which the end user understands or so it's not, just like you said, their eyes aren't glossing over and they're just, they, they, they're tuning out what you're saying. Um, but what I like to do is I, I send out questions like, hey, do you know what this is? Or, you know, little quizzes and stuff. Or just, you know, try to get people familiarized with some of the terminology that we use. And I tell my guys, one of the things is when we're out there, you've got to speak. You got to know your audience. So when you're talking, try not to talk above anybody's head. Try not to utilize a lot of acronyms. I was in the military for a long time. So, one of the things is, is we, uh, you become familiarized with acronyms. And when you get out and you're in the, the, the civilian world, you keep using them. And people, you, you know, you'll get that look every time. So, I try to use, you know, industry standard, but also stuff that people would know or people would be accustomed to.
0: Mm. The As far as the security piece, it sounds like you guys had it easy from an acceptance standpoint with executive management because you kind of had to do it. Or was there any battles there with executive management and trying to get, I don't know,
1: money? Zero battle at all. When I came on board, uh, our CEO, he understood maybe better, maybe better than most. In fact, I've worked at a couple different places and they, they tend to write IT off. Here, um, he's uh, our, our CEO, Christian. He's really security driven. He's IT driven. He believes technology will take us quite a bit, you know, quite a ways. Hmm. And uh, so, so there was no there was no argument. If I if I said we needed it and gave a really good reason, he didn't fight me at all. And in fact, he Vanguarded band- a lot of the the push towards safety and, and security. Hmm.
0: Why do you think that is? And is there any insights there for? Because obviously. You've worked at numerous different places. We all have, once we get to a certain yeah. point in our career, and there's different cultures, um, vibes, I guess, so to speak, and views of technology, whether it be a cost center or a business force multiplier or whatever it is. What is it about your organization that is so positive towards IT, and is there any type of insights that someone could take away?
1: Well, I think on the on the leadership side, on the senior management side, they're educated to to the technology. Um, they see it as a they see it as a uh, um, as a jump off point as something that utilize. They again, it's a, fall, a force multiplier. Um, not to mention, we sit uh, we have offices in Germany, the UK, and France. And as you know, Europe is having a struggle right now um, with what's going on over there. So I think that's a big thing he holds, you know, at the top of his thought process. So I think that's one of the things. And and again, he likes I he likes technology. And I think a lot of, you know, leadership, you know, CEOs, you know, and and again, it's not, we don't compartmentalize a lot of that. So in some industries you'll see that they have a CIO or a CTO that handles all of that and the CEO never gets involved. Or the the senior leadership on on the non IT side, they don't get involved in it. They leave it to that to that particular, you know, segment of the business, yep. we're here, here, we're, you know, it's a nimble organization and they tend to, he reads up on stuff. That our, our chief of staff is the same thing. And even my, I report directly to the CFO, you know, he's, he, they trust, you have to build that trust. And I think that's a big thing too. Mm.
0: The uh, reporting to the CFO, the, we, have, we we have definitely have two different languages there. We've got, um, you know, your, 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 your networking languages, and then you've got your, I guess, profit and loss, so to speak, you know? Uh, the I, hear, ledger. I hear the
1: P <laughs> I hear the PL statement at least once a week. Okay. So
0: <laughs> so how did you how did you come to learn kind of that those different language terms, whether it be whether it be gross margin, controllable costs, ledger, um, you know, EBITDA and and stuff like this? Like what is there? did you come to learn that over time or do you know it now?
1: I do. I do. And one of the things is, um, and uh, probably several of the guys out there in the IT world will tell you socks compliance. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I, I've been in the industry a long time. I was there during the Enron and, and all that stuff. And what had happened is I had worked for a company that was publicly traded and, um, we ran into something similar. I, I won't name the organization, but you know, but, but um, go, after stocks regulations were put into play, you get that. I mean, you're force-fed that that bit of information. And I think it's because they lump IT and accounting into similar buckets when it comes to security. And, and you know, anytime stocks comes into play, Sarbanes-Oxley, yep. uh, you know, you have all that. You, you know, you're working with the accounting team. To, to you know, make sure that you're you you have policies, procedures, and all that stuff into play. And and there's a lot of uh, intermingling that, that happens with the language. So you you do learn it over time.
0: People love to. use – I remember in the past life of working in the corporate world, people loved to throw around. That's a Sarbanes Oxley
1: violation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, everyone to be the Sarbanes Oxley champion until it was time to do Sarbanes Oxley stuff. <laughs>
0: You didn't file that correctly. Um, oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> separation of, we have to have separation of duties.
0: I just remember this big filing cabinet and someone yelling about a Sarbanes-Oxley violation. It was... Oh, anyways. Well,
1: I, think, I, I think people lumped it, anything in the Sarbanes-Oxley, so they would either not have to do it or have, not have to explain it.
0: Yes. The... <laughs> For for other IT people growing up, how did you get started in the IT field of work?
1: Well, uh, well, I was in the United States Army. Um, I was an airborne paratrooper. I worked with the 82nd Airborne Division, and and uh, I, I served ten years in the U.S. Army. Uh, my last hitch, I was at uh, uh, Fort Meade, Maryland. Um, I worked for an organization at the at Fort Meade. Um, I was a military intelligence. And, um, so when I got to go, when I wanted to go to school, I talked to a buddy of mine who was an attorney. I thought I wanted to be an attorney. He's like, man, there's no money in being an attorney now. IT is the way to go. And this was in the, <laughs> this was the mid nineties. And I was like, well, he, he, he might know something. So I decided I'd go into IT. <laughs>
0: He's like, some attorneys still make a lot
1: of money, but oh, some attorneys, I worked for a law firm. I can tell you some attorneys make a lot. Th-
0: of so money. I don't, you know, or maybe that wasn't the best advice, but
1: it might be the more fun. <laughs> I, I'm getting yeah, I think it'd be a lot stressful, a lot, a lot less stressful if I work as an attorney. I
0: don't know. You never know. The uh, no. <laughs> Well, actually, I had someone bring up stress the other day and how it's um, it's hard to turn off sometimes. The IT job, how do you turn it off? Sometimes you can't turn you it off. It,
1: yeah, no, I agree, and that's something. It's hard to turn off, especially. And I would tell you, the, the majority of your listeners and you yourself probably know this. If you care about the if you care about your reputation and you care about the organization that you work for, it's almost impossible to turn it off. At night, I worry about my backups. I worry about, you know, do, do we have anything in play? I worry about somebody clicking the wrong button. You know, I worry about power outages. And, and you're constantly you have that worry. What you do, you find things to get your mind off of it. Um, but again, you're going to it's something that you're going to it's like being a parent you know, you can't turn being a parent off. you you have that worry. After your kids leave the house, you have that worry. I liken it to something like that. It's probably not as severe. I have three children, so I know. Um, but, uh, I think it's, it's, it's very similar to that. If you care about the organization you work for and you care about the people in the organization, you, you worry. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that you can turn it off, but, but there are probably ways that you can compartmentalize it or, or just lessen it. Like I know one of the things is as soon as I got our, uh, as soon as I got backups into the cloud and, and encrypted, I felt better about that. As soon as I got a disaster recovery program and and a business continuity program into play, I I, I, I that helped as well. So if you're do if you're minding your Ps and Qs and doing your due diligence, you put stuff into place so that you you negate some of the uh, worry. But you know, you're it's always going to be there.
0: Mm. So the army gave you your technology experience or no, it was after that after no, college God, or no, 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 now, I was 11 <laughs>
1: Bravo. I was an infantryman and, uh, jumping out of airplanes. And then I reenlisted and went military intelligence. And, uh, no, I didn't, I mean, hardly touched the computer while I was in the military.
0: Do you still like jumping out of airplanes?
1: I no, I haven't, I haven't jumped out of a plane and, uh, it's been quite a while. Mm. No, it's, in fact, most of the guys that I was stationed with, They'll tell you I didn't like it when it was doing it, so <laughs> but, but you're treated differently because you're because you're a paratrooper and, and and you know you you know people think of you differently when you're a paratrooper you wear a beret and and you know just it was off
0: awesome. mm, mm. the uh I, I i there's something about jumping out of a plane that just makes me nervous. I don't know what it is <laughs>
1: you think <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's something about uh you know what I mean, and then I watch these uh like the wingsuit guys. Like, have you watched those, any of those wingsuit videos? I have. Yeah. It's just insane. It's like one of the most deadliest sports that's like out there right now. And yeah,
1: there's only, yeah, either you're doing it really well or you're stuck on a rock.
0: Yeah. Or you're doing it really well. You just need to make one little minute mistake and you're dead. It's like, there's people,
1: people, people say you need a parachute to skydive. You definitely don't. You just need a parachute to skydive twice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh man. Crazy. So, so no, so, so you just went to college to get into technology. So you weren't like a nerd growing up, like you weren't playing with computers or anything like that. Do you remember your first computer? No, but
1: no, funny enough is when I was in, I graduated in 1985. Um, we had a, um, a Sperry. Like uh like an imp unit at the school that, that they showed us how. To, that was about it. Um, so in the eighties, computers <laughs> weren't huge. They weren't a big thing back then. No,
0: no, there was like punch cards at most. Well, no, eighty five. We had Apple IIc, C, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, Apple. yeah. We we talked about the Apple, but no, <laughs> I, um, I was I I ran home and joined the army. I ran away from home and joined the army. Yeah, but I got out of the army. I went to Duquesne University and and uh, Safe on Adventure. Mm. to get, you know, to get, but, but I worked, I worked in technology while I was going to college, which really did help.
0: Okay. What was the most helpful?
1: Yeah, um, as far as being immersed in it, same as like learning a language or something, being immersed in it. And you go to, you know, you go to class at night and you're like, Oh, I just did this. Or I know how to do this because I did that a week ago. Or so there were things that, that you're doing in the real world. And I would say that it similar to a mechanic, it's best to learn hands-on. Um, I think doing it while you're, uh, that's one of the reasons I really like trade schools or, you know, these, these two year technical programs, they're fantastic because it's all hands on. You're immersed in the training and they teach, they teach you like it's a job. Mm -hmm. So I think being immersed in it really did help out. And again, I I have obsessive compulsive disorder, which I think a lot of IT guys do have that, Mm -hmm. you know, know, so uh, that was a big help too. And having the regimen of being a service member, um, you know, that discipline helped out as well.
0: Mm. Where does it get in the way? Where does OCD get in the way?
1: Um, well, honestly, I have OCD so bad that if I don't make my bed every morning when I wake up in a specific way,
0: the world will end. So that gets all right. Um. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Is, I remember my friend, is. he's like, I could not go to bed at night. He, my, I had a friend OCD. He's like, I just, I cannot go. He's like, in school, he kind of like, I don't know if he taught himself out of this. He's like, but I could not go to bed unless I was laying lengthwise, like width, the width way across the bed, upside down with my head looking a certain way and flip off the light switch this way. Like, I just couldn't not go to sleep unless I turn the light off that
1: way. Wow. That's, that's a, that's a difference. Yeah. I don't, um, I think, I think the big thing with me is, when it came to OCD is doing things in a very specific manner. Yeah. And, and, uh, you, and, and, and you know, this in the IT world, you can't be too regimented. You can be organized. You, you know, yeah, it's, like you're it. it's like a blessing. It's like a blessing. for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, well, my, well, my shrink, I tell her it's my superpower, but, um, <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> this is great. Yeah, uh, it's my superpower. <laughs> all right, so what the else? OCD is we got to hear some more. It we'll turn it into an OCD show. OCD OCDIT.
1: OCDIT. Well, I think a lot of guys in our in our industry are obsessive compulsive.
0: What else? Um, okay, so you got to make the bed a certain way, like military style.
1: I do make my bed military style. I, I corner the sheets and do all that stuff. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, well, we all, I mean, I can't remember who's the guy, who's the, the motivational speaker that talks about making your bed every day. Anyways, I can't remember
1: what it is. Oh, the Admiral? What is his name? Admiral
0: Love. Yeah, basically, you know, it's like one of those, you know, uh, what do we say? Viral videos or something talks about, you know, making his bed every day. What else do we do? What is there any other OCD things throughout your day?
1: Oh, no. I, no when, I, when I go, you know, I have a shower at a specific time. I dress a certain way. I just in there, there. I have a morning regimen. When I was working in, I worked in Pittsburgh for a law firm. Uh-huh. And, and uh, when I would walk to work, I had to cross, when I crossed the street, I had to walk a specific way on one side of the pole and then cross over to the other side of the pole. It was, it was a whole, it was a whole weird thing. Um, but that's, that's like, I, mean, I don't know how well that helped me out with IT.
0: It sounds fascinating though. It's, to me, it's like... No, it's uh, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, man. It's... it's um, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not... I hope I'm not offending you. I just... It sounds amazing not to me. Just, not at all. I can't...
1: Again, I was in the army. You can't offend me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. William McRaven. Yeah, William McRaven. He was the... Admiral McRaven. Okay. Okay. He's the guy who says make your bed every morning. Does it and help? And When I go home, when I leave work and go home, I go to the gym. But after I'm done the gym and go home, my bed's made. I don't got nothing to worry about.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even if I had a bad day, he says, even if I had a bad day, at least I'm coming home to a nicely made bed. I don't know if
1: that works, though. I think if I had a bad day, I go home. I'm thinking, I'm not, the last thing I'm thinking about is that my bed, my bed is made.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tear it up.
1: <laughs> I don't care about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, um, I actually
1: think that I actually think the way I made my bed ended my first marriage.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's possible. Although yeah, I, don't I, know, I would tell her to make the
1: bed; she was hard at it.
0: You're like it, you know. It's like you're like it ended my first marriage, but it it made my second marriage. <laughs> <So I'm> <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like I don't ever yeah. make the bed.
1: I'm like, honey, why? Oh don't, well, I got stories about a sec- my second marriage too, but I don't know if they're. <laughs> 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 we'll have to keep it.
0: <laughs> okay. The, uh, <laughs> she had
1: more dates than I
0: did. Jeez, uh, um, <laughs> I'm jumping out of a plane, honey. Uh, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> out of, the. Let's talk more about some of the some IT stuff. The okay, and I want to hear your. I I I'm I'm looking on kind of like this like wheel that I could spin of topics that we could talk about. The it doesn't sound like you have a very hard time influencing executive management to buy some something in IT there. Um how about Rarely. how about how big a team do you have?
1: I have 3 is it 3 of us? And again, it's a nimble team. I have uh, me and a network engineer and kind of a technician. He's a, like a senior level technician.
0: They're how do you guys all work together as a team? Is there any kind of like uh, insight that you could provide into coaching a team, setting expectations, um, driving towards a goal roadmap, uh, making things happen, that type of thing?
1: Well, one of the things is, is being a mentor. Um, the guys I work with now, they, they uh, one is, I think this is a second position. And, and again, like you said, IT guys tend to move around. We tend to move, tend to move up. We move out. So, um, So in order, one of the guys I work with now, he's kind of a younger guy, he's like mid-30s, I guess, I'm not even that old, but um, being a a mentor and learning what the strengths and weaknesses are of your team and the personality. So one of the things is if you you have a guy that's good around people, um, you want him to be out there, you know, you want him to be forward facing. So I think that's something that's important is knowing the strengths and weaknesses of the team. And again, as a manager, my job is to backfill when, when they can't do what I jump in, um, but being understanding and, rega- and remember that, that you have humans working for you, that they have lives and they have needs and wants and, and be, be there, be a mentor to them and be uh, understanding and they'll work for you. One of the things I say is that we succeed as a team, but if we fail, I failed as a leader. So, and I take that to heart. One of the things is, is I want, I want to guide and direct um, and if there's an issue with it, you got to take that on. You have to be accountable. And when your team sees that you're accountable, they'll they'll definitely perform. And that's that's a big thing. Is if you're gonna say it, you got to do it, and, and you know be be a great you know think of yourself as a leader rather than a manager. Mm-hmm.
0: How do you how do you stop from just how how do we bring the team together to just stop just managing the the blinky lights and and keeping things up and running. Is there any is there any light at the end of the tunnel in IT so to speak, as far as, you know, wow. building a self maintaining system and, you know, putting your legs up on the desk and sitting back and being like, ah, oh, it's over.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're that kind of guy, I guess there there you could. Um, (laughs) No, I think the
0: answer is never. I think the answer is that's just like a, that's like a a, uh, a mirage, you know, but there's got to be ways to make life, there's definitely ways to make life easier and to offload, um, you know, workload and to make things easier in
1: yourself. And that's a great question, because if you think about it, the way that you can negate some of the problems, some of the stresses, to make sure your team is ramped up and knows what you know, I think, and I, I'd like your opinion on this as well, but IT guys, especially in smaller groups, they tend to, um, what's the word I want to use? They tend to, hoard, uh, hoard knowledge. Mm. You know, they don't want anybody else to know what they know because you know, then, then their job is not, their job is not secure. They think they're, they're in jeopardy. I think everyone don't does that, like that, that in
0: job. general. Yeah. I think everyone does that. Yeah, I think people want to hide their, people want to hide their, um, secrets. They want to hide their, um, skill sets because yeah, like, they're yeah. more val- they're more valuable if they do but really you're more valuable if you can you know I guess share it yeah lead people and do all that yeah I've definitely known a few IT guys that kind of kept the keys to the castle so to speak
1: yeah That's and exactly a great thing yeah.
0: yeah and I, I just I'm thinking of one now which was and what really what really what I think he did was create silos what he ended up doing was creating yeah. silos in his company because he had complete control of the network. So imagine a network, a 10 gig network with uh, 300 locations, and you've got this multi faceted, like, you know, like this just amazing, beautiful, like WAN, like a 10 gig WAN, right? And um, you're that's your baby. You're, you're, you know, but the company's so big that you can kind of hide away in the, the server closet, so to speak. And, there was other aspects of technology within the company that you could have affected and really made a difference on, not only to the bottom line or you know efficiency and everything, but you could have really ended a bunch of outages. But you didn't want anyone touching your network. So here, here, and here's the here's the example. Right, you have a ten gig network, but then you've got hundreds of MPLS, like, VPN on net circuits running um, uh, 150 different phone systems. Yeah. Right? So, and a person that I remember with a spreadsheet managing the daily outages needed a spreadsheet to manage the tickets of daily outages of all of these different PBXs running off of this older kind of MPLS slash PRI insanity type of stuff. And so anywho, um, it could have been solved very, very easily via like, you know, a software defined networking solution with some SIP trunking. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, you yeah, know, that, and, yeah. and running over like this, it, you know, like you have the highway, like the, it's like the highway is there, and you're using like the dirt road off to the side because there's no on ramp to the highway. Like there's now, like no, you you're not getting on my road. You need to but, pay that, a toll. That, you must pay a toll. <laughs> you know, it's just hurting. The, that's how I saw the the interworkings of the politics in that company. And then you had um, maybe a CTO at the top, revolving door of CTOs and CIOs with other massive technology, all kinds of other technology issues that kind of th- where this this network guy could kind of hide out in the background because all the other issues were so problematic that he was just like, I'm just, I designed this network and I'm going to sit here.
1: I actually uh, I had something similar that I worked for Fleming and, and what we bought some other companies. And when I went down to do a, uh, upgrade to a, um, an office in, uh, Adel, Adel, Georgia. And, um, what he had done is every, every port on the wall had one number on it. Like, you know, he numbered them, but every port on the, on the patch panel in the back in the in MDF had a different number. Didn't match, but he had a, he had a, he had a book that he kept at his house that, that that cross-referenced them. So if your number was twenty-five at the wall, it was sixteen forty at the patch panel. Uh, yeah. But you had to go to this book, and he <laughs> thought he was protecting his job. He was the first one we fired.
0: <laughs> Give me the
1: book and the yeah. stickers. Uh, we didn't even ask you for the book. We just started. We just started toning lines. <laughs> but you, you bring up a good point. The larger the organization is. Um, you, you tend to have IT guys that can hide away
0: yeah that just reminded me of like the Rubik's Cube like you basically had you, the Rubik's Cube where you just removed the
1: stickers <laughs> and put them where they're the supposed to guy, go yeah <laughs> um, you, you tell you man what year did you grow up in dude
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look, just take the stickers off and put them where they're supposed
1: to go. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't even know how somebody comes to that kind of mindset. You know, uh, they can't fire me if they don't know where the patch panel is.
0: I think. I think they get. Um, they get. Um, I don't know.
1: Well, going going back to your original question, in order to in order, like I say to people, if you want to get promoted, you got to make sure somebody can backfill. The only way to to get back, Phil, is to teach that person coming up. So you've got to yes, share your knowledge. Yes, yes, and that was one of the best
0: around. one of the best um, companies I've ever worked for. And a uh, 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 colleague of mine, now former boss, um, basically said, "Okay, you're promoted. Like we we want to promote you, but you can take the job when you've filled your position when you've trained someone." Yeah, that's a good. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you know, once you train someone to take your job, like, you're ready, go. So, okay. Um, But yeah, that is a good, and that was a very, it's interesting when when you look at, when you look back at the different companies you've worked for, like the ones that were like very HR heavy and the ones that were not non-HR heavy, and I really liked the companies that were non-HR heavy.
1: Uh, well, my hr manager
0: <laughs> so i'm not gonna- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no i'm just saying like well it was weird yeah. like i left i left a company that was very by the book right and i yeah. and i appreciated that from the standpoint of like maintaining enhancing people's self-esteem and making sure everyone's treated equally and all that other type of stuff right and then i went to a company that was maybe more like your military days And uh, I was like, at first, I was like shocked. I was like, "How dare they?" (laughs) You know, like (laughs) uh, I'm gonna call the 1-800 HR number. And they weren't maintaining and enhancing self-esteem, you know. But what I realized was, is man, I thrived. I really thrived in that environment and did really, really well. (laughs) And so um, I
1: worked for an oil I worked in oil and gas and um, the, I don't even know why we had an HR manager there. I mean it was uh yeah, it just, insane I just mean, to it have, a have one. <laughs> uh, should, I, should, I can't imagine the stress that she went through on a daily basis. I mean, it was she, insane. She had to do the exit interviews. <laughs> Come on. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> she was there because some law somewhere said that you had to have an HR manager.
0: Yeah, yeah. i right, exactly. Um, yeah. those makes for some good yeah. stories well, they're
1: notorious for that
0: though does it make for some good stories you could do a reality show on it you know we don't
1: oh you definitely could oh my god yeah
0: yeah, it's it. We, we, you and I have probably seen stuff that because I I mean, I was in telecom back in the day and it's, it's still is the Wild West. It really still is, you oh, know. Yeah. Meanwhile, pharmaceuticals wow. used to be used to have be able to have pharmaceutical reps and they would go wine and dine doctors and they had, there was no laws around it. And you're wondering why a doctor's prescribing more drugs than anything, you know. And that's just oh, the truth. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the truth. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then they cracked down on that, but there, there's none yeah, of that. Well, thank God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know what's going on now, but the, the, uh, everyone in my family is a doctor. So I used to like, you know, as a kid, Oh wow! And my dad had this, my dad had like a, a 42 foot, no, 38 foot Viking with like two twin diesel engines in it. Like this is a boat, right? Oh. Sports sport fishing boat, right. Out of Kenny Bunkport, Maine. And, um, oh, wow. actually all the pictures you've seen taken of George Bush fishing ever were all taken from my dad's boat. He oh was a,
1: man!
0: Yeah, yeah. So he was a he was a a doctor. He was like the doctor from like almost like stereotypical out of Caddyshack. Almost, you know, like worked, you know, oh, really? golf on Wednesday and Friday, you know, and take a couple months off in the summertime, and 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 be a captain. And you know, he had his captain's license, so he would do sport fishing. And um, but I just remember as a kid, like you know, the pharmaceutical reps would rent my dad's boat to talk to him. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what he said? Like all these pharmaceutical reps would come on. My dad would be like taking them out and stuff. And here I am like a little kid in sixth grade or whatever, like not really knowing. I'm just like, you know, first mate or something. And there's pharmaceutical reps on the boat. And, and I remember my dad one day like, oh, they, they shut that down. They can't do that anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, well, yeah, he was making out on both ends.
0: Yeah, I know. It's just somewhat crazy. Yeah. That's just the reality. Um, yes, I'm nothing like that, by the way. Um, no. I learned, Dad. Thanks, Dad. I, I don't learned. Own boat. I am seasick. <laughs> oh, no, I love boats. Don't get me wrong. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and I'll go. I like water skiing, too. Yeah, just done a lot of fishing. Um, anywho, we don't need to get into my, we'll bring my shrink on. Mm-hmm. Can you, does your shrink have an opening? Like, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> well, yeah. Pittsburgh. Okay, are uh, gonna do. Everything's done via Zoom now. How? Oh, good question. It is. You're right. So, did COVID affect? Does that affect? Or did that affect you guys at all? Or I mean,
1: what It definitely from did. Home? It definitely. It definitely did, and I think um, one of the things is that uh, we we wore a mask in the office, and they 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 staggered shifts. Uh, they did. A, I mean, we did a really good job, and again, the boss, the the leadership, they they um, were understanding. And again, we it, it did run its course through the through the uh, through the organization. We had people that were out. I, I never got it, surprisingly, but both my guys did. Um, but it did it did run through. And um, but they, they had a really good plan in play, and it, it, there were no big hiccups when when it did go through. I mean, we, we I think honestly, the snowstorm that happened in, in Texas hit us harder than than um than, than COVID did. COVID yeah. hit us. COVID hit us but we get a lot of product out of the South, South Texas. And when they had that snowstorm, it definitely Mm. made, made for an uncomfortable few months.
0: Mm. Mm. As far as just delays and stuff, how's that picked up? How's that in general? How does it affect um, production in your organization? Are are you guys involved much in production or uh, other?
1: All the systems. Yeah. Yeah. All the systems run on our network. So um, we have giant uh, reactors that, 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 have you know they, they utilize software to, to make sure that the chemicals are mixed properly and that um, dosages are added that's correct in the correct amounts and stuff so we're, we're a pretty big part of it um, but again it's, it's it's software centric but um, it's you know the systems are well put together so that we have you know we monitor them and we're called sometimes but for the most part uh, they're not too hard but again when something does happen, you know, again, it's right back up to that worry monitor, it goes right through the
0: roof. <laughs> yes. Yes. The let me ask you this. When you were just getting started in IT, what was one of the biggest like problems, you know, frustrations or concerns that you had that you were dealing with? And and how did Indeed. you overcome that?
1: I think the big, well, one of the things is speed. Um, we, you know, when we were coming in, T1s were the big, you know, if you had a T1, wow, you, you know, it was like a gigabit network back then. Um, the T1, the T, you know, getting, getting telephony and, and uh, you know, just internet in the building. The internet became kind of an important factor in, in the way we did business. Um, and again, security wasn't a big thing then. We never, you know, you hardly worried about security and when you did, it with a virus. Um, and then, you know, every, and everybody and their brother had a virus protection software package that, you know, made your system extraordinarily slow and really didn't work very well. <laughs> um, that, that was the thing is, is, trying to complaining people complaining about my network's too slow and I can't get my emails and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it was, that was the thing. And again, not much has changed. People are still complaining about how fast things are, but, um, that, that was another, that was the big thing. And again, you were kind of, um, you know, painted into what kind of technology you could use. I mean, Dell was big, Gateway was big when it came to business machines. So, you know, you either had a Dell or you had a Gateway. Um, and learning how things ran, um, I, I remember. I don't know if you, the deck Alpha and those things is you know, uh, you had issues with. you had you know alpha, the, the the you know alpha, the deck Alpha was what are they what the chips called it. Mm-hmm. Nothing ran on them, you know. Uh, but but a uh, risk, the risk application. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, so you can buy a risk computer, and nothing that you had on your desktop or your other servers worked on a risk. And it was just you know, again, it was new. So everything that you did was the first time it was being done. So that was a big thing. The security was another thing. I mean, when when I tell people that the internet wasn't invented for the thing that we're using it for today. You know, mm. people are like, uh, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "No, it was it was made for people to communicate from the government organizations to colleges. Mm. You know, and there was it was point to point, so nobody had any security. The way we're utilizing it now, security was an afterthought. So that that became a, an issue later in the nine, '90s and the 2000s."
0: Yeah, it's so amazing that you used to have a global address book on Hotmail. Yeah, I know, right? Like you could look someone's address up. You could look it up. Can you imagine that a global email address book right now?
1: I know it would be insane. Well, if you think about it, I mean, we thought, we thought that, um, ICP, the TCP version four would be done by now. We thought we'd be well into utilizing six. And I mean, I don't know anybody that utilizes six strictly. I mean, we're still on, you know, I, you know, so that's, that's the odd thing for me. I think Cedar kind of fixed that, but, but that was the thing we all, that was another thing. Okay, man, you're running out of addresses. There won't be addresses soon. Mm. So everybody was like, oh my God, what will happen? It'll be the end of the world if we don't get a TCP IP address.
0: Yeah. Six years ago, I remember like, just like, yeah, I need a C block. No. Um, the T1 thing is, uh, yeah, that, that business that I was telling you about where that I left and it was like the army and there was no HR, there was an HR department. It was really for exit interviews. Yeah. that, yeah. that, That was selling T1s. <laughs> oh, selling, really? Yeah, yeah, it was T. It was a Cisco startup selling uh, selling uh, T1s with a like a Cisco IAD on it when you know SIP trunking was first like on the scene, and we were like, you know, well, we can deliver you analog, a PRI or SIP. It's really all SIP, oh, wow. but, but it was just conversion. So, yeah, yeah. you no know, we're just converting. Oh, yeah, it.
1: I, I remember when we went to I remember when we went to SIP trunks that uh, that Cisco was selling and saying, hey, you know, that SIP trunks aren't that secure, and you'll probably want a PRI converter. You know, anything that's um anything
0: upside. But I was like, dude, this is a T one. I mean, we can bond mm-hmm. these. We can give you three megs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three, three megs. Three megs. And yeah. then I remember we got I used to get so frustrated a, then Comcast came in and like some dude that was at his house and he was like, dude, I got eight megs in my house. What are you talking about? Like
1: you know, I can watch like, a, I can watch a movie after about four hours of downloading it. We're
0: like, what? You know, pulling out our blackberries and like, you know. <laughs> no. I,
1: I'll tell you, I have a good friend of mine. He, yeah, he was my boss when I was with, I worked with, I worked with Johnson and uh, he was my boss there and he had a BlackBerry. He still has a BlackBerry today. I don't know how it's working. I don't know where he's getting it from, but he still carries a BlackBerry.
0: I loved that phone so much. I, loved I like the it. Pearl, the BlackBerry Pearl. Yeah, just I, the messaging, the whole Bez server thing, and the messaging, and then some kid on my team, way younger than me, had this i the first iPhone, and he was like, "Phil, this oh, is yeah. so much better." And I remember getting so angry at him, like, "No, no, it's not better." Like, I was so angry. He's no, but look, he's like, "Look at what this thing could do. It's crazy." He's like, "Just," I was like, "What do you mean one button? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like how I'm like losing my mind watching this thing because we, at the time we had, you know, like BlackBerry was like a big Part of our like, like portfolio at the time, and like, you know, iPhone was like exclusively through AT and T. Remember, you were only eighteen, you could only get it through AT and T. Remember, right. um exactly. Anyway, so I just remember that was like, I was like, this is gonna kill us. Like, <laughs> it, it killed thing well,
1: I, I remember you had to set up a, its own server in the network for your. I mean, one thing we, in order to get email, we had to set up a server in our. Behind yeah, the, behind our firewall, yeah. so we can get Blackberries to work.
0: Yeah, the BlackBerry Exchange Server, man. But that instant yeah. messaging and everything—that was just that was just a new thing, like messaging back yeah. and forth instantly instant messaging now where like people people are going to listen to this and be like what? I don't what do you mean? I don't get it. Like even my uh, yeah. like even yeah, like my nephews and nieces and stuff, my kids, geez, my kids, they don't they never grew up in a time without internet. I just it's still I talk about it probably every other show, every other show, but just still blows my mind, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like 1985. I mean, I've had people say like I've one of my daughter's friends was like, what are we living in the 1980s? <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh I'm old, I'm old now. When my someone's... kids
1: don't know when blood not to have a cell phone.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's 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 well
1: my kids have never seen a cassette before.
0: Yeah, that's wild. That is wild. Let alone
1: an LP. My daughter knows what records are because like, they're making a comeback. But, cause yeah, because it's like cool. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, just that, yeah, yeah oh, records. Exactly,
0: yeah. Just because it's like a, th- yeah.
1: Just because it's I'm a I'm going to be totally honest with you. Yeah, I'm going to be totally honest with you. If you want to listen to records, you're going to be like, oh man, I'm, a, I'm an audiophile. I like listening to records. You mean you like listening to music sounding like garbage? Because a record has record sound on it. It doesn't sound great. It's got a, it's crunchy. You know, I don't care what you say. You know, digital sound is mastered. It's amazing. You know, so when, when you go to a record, when you're going to a record, you're like, wow, you would go watch a Super 8 movie. You know? It's, I, don't, I don't get it.
0: Well, we got 8-track too. I remember eight tracks. I just wanted to, po- I just want, I saw these eight tracks like sitting in like a cardboard box in the attic as a kid growing up or something. And I was just like,
1: oh, that's where they're all at now. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Someone's got to put one in a car and just plug that thing in just to free, <laughs> just to freak someone out.
1: And it's gotta yeah. be super tramp breakfast in America.
0: <laughs> um, the, the Okay, so now, okay, so so fast forward. It was speed back then. It was T ones. We'll get you. Yeah, right. It's forty five days. Last mile. We're still dealing with that. Some some.
1: Oh, last, some... last mile is a big yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even use that term any. I mean, I haven't used that term in a while. But yeah, last mile is, is the one that, that you know that was the telephone company telling you it's your fault.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it was finger pointing. It still goes on, it still yeah. goes on. It's the IT guy. No, it's the last mile provider. No, it's the network provider. That's, yeah. um, what's it's your, the lack. Sing- lack, yeah. yeah, the LEC, CLEC. Yeah. What's your, um, what is your single biggest problem, frustration or concern now?
1: It's security. Uh, you know, um, I, in all honesty, not even ran- it's ransomware. Mm-hmm. ransomware is is um we've had vendors of ours got hit with ransomware we've actually had customers get hit with ransomware um so that's a big thing i worry about you know we, we we put a lot of stuff into play about about ransomware um you know and again we the system we, we currently sit on 600 we sit on 600 meg you know out to the world and, and we don't I mean we we don't even use that i think we use that we're at 35 and 40 percent of that so speed is never an issue but again the faster you can get out, the faster they can get in. So security and, uh, that's a good point. Intellectual property as well.
0: That's a good point. Just go back to the T ones. No one will want to hack you.
1: Yeah, no one will. They will not touch you. I, I asked, a, you have-
0: I had an organization and I, I went in, it was the easiest rebuild. It was like, sometimes you go in and it's just like the easiest fix ever. So it was 140 users on a fractional T one. Oh,
1: really? And,
0: um, yeah. And no, like, it was like pop email, and like it was just like it was. I can't even begin to describe how you know it was like. Well, let's the first thing we're gonna do is you know, and you go. Uh, this was a consulting thing I did like I don't know four or five years ago, and I remember going through like you know the questionnaire. <laughs> Like I have like a, I have like some general questions you ask everyone, right? Like, you know, like what's your security policy, security stance, like, you know, some diff- like currently, right? Like where you stand right now? What do you love? What do you hate about things? How do you, you know, all this different stuff. And when I got to the security stuff, the, 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 the outsourced kind of like IT MSP kind of just like stared at me and he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, we have a T1 who wants to hack us that was how he was like that was he's like that's our security so Uh, um um or like you know what and he's like even if someone tried to take something it would take them forever you know and like it was just oh yeah but it was it was (laughs) bad you know there was like open servers with fans pointing at them yeah oh jesus Literally open. eighty six degrees in the server room. It was, if you'd call it that, it was more like the maintenance it was more like the shared maintenance room. Like, yeah, that was. Yeah, you know
1: room. what? That's a big thing too. Is like, um, if you'll have organizations that don't understand IT, they think that you can throw a server anywhere. You know, the last place I worked, um, there was actually a water line, yeah, heavy duty water line that went right over the server. The yeah, yeah, server sprinkler room, system. Yeah, sprinkler system. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah. Well, this one This wasn't even. This was plumbing. It wasn't even the sprinkler system. <laughs> I was like, you know, if something happens, that's going to destroy all this equipment here, right?
0: know um, oh, nothing's going to happen. The be fine. Well, that's a risk we're willing to take. The okay. Yeah. So I had a, a, a. So you got ransomware. We got we got the security piece. Um, you mentioned vendors. Oh, I know what it was. I've realized recently that one of the biggest weaknesses to some organizations are the vendor security. And because I've had vendor, basically what I had was I had a situation where you had a big organization with an MSP serving that certain areas of that organization. They were doing certain things for that organization, not everything, just like, you know, like some, I don't know, maybe some, Um, database stuff or something, you know, whatever. But um, that they, a, a project came up for bid inside the company and that MSP wanted the project so bad that they shared basically the internal network map, all the IP schemes and everything with all the vendors like across the board like right away without like I would assume there was an NDA in place and things like that. But I came upon their entire network map, IP scheme, everything with, um, and I, and w- without any knowledge of them, w- knowing, without the IT manager knowing how, so I basically went to the IT manager. I was like, hey, um, I was like, do you know what, that um, I have this? And he was like, no, thank you very much. Really? Yeah. That's insane. So the point is money is a very, Um, tempting thing to people and the vendors that we deal with often are their primary goal is to sell and to make a profit and to grow their company and to sell that company. That's their primary. Yeah. Their goal is the same goal as your company is to to make a profit and to make money, right? And right. a lot of times we trust uh, we trust our vendors because they come in and they shine up well and they show Gartner Magic Quadrant and Frost and Sullivan and blah blah blah. blah and you you know, we're a t- we're a partner and we're going to be a partner and da 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 da. And then you know, then you get off the Teams call or Zoom call and they're sharing your network map with everyone.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, again yeah, a favored nation um um vendors is, is one of the things that i I, i you know, once I get to a vendor that I really like and I, I I've worked with for years, I try to take them wherever I go. That's that's a big thing. But you're 100%, I've I've dealt with um i in fact one of the vendors here that we worked with early on, um, they you know, my boss was on the phone with them and they're like, Hey, you know what you could do? You get rid of your whole IT team and we will support you.
0: <laughs> yeah, classic.
1: It, it was yeah. That and my boss is telling me this. I'm like, wow, guess guess, guess who's not getting a renewed contract?
0: <laughs> uh,
1: amazing. Well. And, that's, and how can you trust somebody that would do that? You know?
0: It's, um, I would say 80% of the, it's the classic 80-20 rule. It's the classic 80-20 rule.
1: No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, and I'll honestly, companies, regardless of their size, you have to have an IT team or an internal IT person or IT, IT team. Yeah. Um, so and I have to, I have to get off in four minutes, but, um, but I you can have already hear IT. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, you have to have internal IT. You have to have someone that you can trust and it's going to be on call. It's going to handle your, that you're, you're, it's going to be com- comfortable with your end users. Yes. And, and, and I, I don't think that, a, that, a uh, a, you know, a managed service provider can do that. Um, I think they're good for something. Just like you said, I mean, ordering equipment or getting some, some auxiliary. They can't be help. completely,
0: they can't have complete ownership in the company and completely in alignment with the vision. Eric, uh, Ben, been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. If you had any one uh, piece of information to send out to the other people listening or anything like that, what would it be?
1: Listen to the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was fantastic talking, talking to you. I mean, I, uh, they think oh, this is awesome. I can't wait to I, I log on and listen to some more of your shows. But this has been been fantastic. And and again, one of the things this is is try to minimize the stress. You know, try to try to put stuff in the way that that, that the bad guy can't get into your system. And yep. you know, treat everybody well. Thank you, sir. <laughs>